Praise God. Would you turn with me right now just to Matthew? We're going now to a different section. Sister, I want you to stay up here. We're going to move a little differently today because I want people to get excited about God and touched. And I want us to stay in the attitude of worship. And we're out of the series of the Beatitudes. And we are going to now get into the series called Salt and Light. Everybody say Salt and Light. Today's message is meant to encourage you because Jesus had just got done teaching all of these things of the Beatitudes. And now he begins to point at his disciples. You remember, these were the disciples that came around him. He begins to point to them. And he says, this is who you are to me. Don't you care about who Jesus says you are? What Jesus thinks about you? Shouldn't that be the most important thing? And look what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13. When he looks at his disciples, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You see, the first thing Jesus teaches us is, you are salt. And your salt is going to make a difference. But if you don't do that, it will be thrown on the ground and trampled by men. You see, Jesus is the one that always gives the ultimatum. You might say, Pastor, why do you give us ultimatums? Either you get radical or don't do it at all. Uh, you know, pray and get, get serious for God or just go back to the world. You say, Pastor, why do you give ultimatums? Jesus gave ultimatums. Look, he said, you're the salt, but if the salt loses its saltiness. You see, that salt that they put on the, the, the streets for, for sanitation when we have ice is not the salt we eat. How many know that? Because it's not salty. It's, it's, it's just the mineral of salt. The Bible says that's what you'll become. You'll just, you will just have your life wasted. You can just waste your life on your job. You can just waste your life on your family. Oh, my family can waste my... Yes. Because you can only have them for 80 years. I've never seen anybody getting buried in a, in a graveyard and the children saying, Oh, I'm going with daddy and jump down in the grave with them. You don't take them with you. You could give your whole life to them. You could buy them homes and houses. Mothers, you can raise them. And one day it will be taken from you. God gives, He takes away. You will stand before God in heaven by yourself. And you could have just let your family just trample on who you were. Because God put us here for more than family. When God created Adam and Eve... The first purpose he gave them was to be with him. The second purpose was to be fruitful and multiply. But this is what we're talking about. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Everybody say, you're the salt of the earth. Look at verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, right there, Jesus Christ says, you will not be a secret Christian. 
You will not just be a Christian of another kind. You see, we think there are different kinds of Christian. Oh, there's a Catholic Christian. There's a Protestant Christian. There's the radical Christian. There's the lukewarm Christian. No, 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 no. Jesus says there's only one type of Christian. That is a Christian that's on fire like a lamp and put on a stand for the world to see their good deeds. Anything other than that is not a Christian by his definition. Are you listening? He says it right here. You don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. How can there be Christians today living in darkness having secret sin, having things of their heart, bitterness, unbelief, doubt, and all these things, and be secretly having issues with God and yet think they're still a Christian. The Bible says you don't take a lamp and put it under your bed. You don't light a candle and put it under your bed. You put it on top. You put it so it can light up the house. A true Christian lives their life before people, and other people look at them and say they are a Christian. Their good deeds shine and show me who they are. Come on, somebody say salt and light. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about. He gives us the honor. He gives us the privilege of being his salt and his light. And today I want you to think about this. What can I be as salt to Chicago? What can I be as salt to my job, to my community? How can I be salt Everywhere I go, I want you to think about what salt is used for. Salt is used for, I think, three primary causes. For flavor, to preserve, and to purify. Everybody say salt is used to flavor, preserve, and purify. Now, I want you to think about what God is saying to you and I today. He is saying to us, you're going to flavor the world. You're going to be the Goya of Chicago. Come on. You're going to be what he sprinkles on bland food and make it taste good. You see, this city is, is bland. This city, in God's eyes, is not worthy of being partaken. But he puts his Christians here, and he says that these Christians can impact this city. It doesn't take a whole lot of salt to tenderize me, but if it can get in there, God says this city becomes acceptable. It becomes a good taste to me. Are you all listening? You flavor this city. You flavor your family to preserve. You know that salt is put in canned goods because salt preserves food. Salt can make meat last like beef jerky for weeks at a time. Salt preserves. And God is saying to you and I, by you living for him on this earth, in this city, you are literally preserving his judgment. The only reason, the Bible says, why Armageddon has not come, the only reason why God has not set this earth on fire like He did with water in the time of Noah is because He's waiting and continuing to work with His church that they win souls. If this church ever got done winning souls, if the churches of America, the world, said we're not going to win souls, Jesus says it's over, it's done. I can't let the earth just go on like they are. The only reason today the earth continues is because His church, everybody say His church, is preserving this earth. See, that's why this right here is structured to please Him. That's why this church is not structured to please man and politics and denominations. You know, we're not here to get all in the pomp and the procedure of religion. We are here to be His church because all other things, just religion, do nothing. But when we are a true church, we preserve. 
We're preserving this community. Your lives, your family, my life, my family is being preserved in this place. Learning the word, worshiping and praying. God is changing us. If that ever stops, we're thrown out. Now, you don't want to do that? You want, you want to start having a fashion show? Jesus says, I'll throw you out. You just, you know, you're not good for anything. You're not salty anymore. Throw you out. You see these churches all around us, they're vacant, they're empty. You know why? The Holy Spirit has just thrown them out. He's done with them. They don't want to be on the streets. Their pastors rather have money than, than, than the power of God. And, and God just says, okay, if that's what you want, you lose your saltiness. You rather have a Rolls Royce. You, you rather have, you know, you know, all your pomp and procedure and all these stained glass windows. I'm done with you. He just throws them out. And that's why you see molestation in the church. That's why you see, you know, uh, greediness in the church. You see all of this garbage going on in his church because he's just thrown out those people. And those buildings may say church. Those, those, those priests and pastors, whoever they are, may say they're representatives of the church. But in Jesus' mind, they're just worthless salt thrown out. Are you all listening? He wasn't playing in the last thing it purifies. If you and I had a cut or a wound and we didn't have, have, you know, peroxide and these different things, salt could be put on that wound and it begins to eat the bacteria. One of the things that God uses in Christians' lives is the Holy Spirit to eat up the sin of this world. To go out here and begin to preach God's message till it purifies people. Till it purifies your job. Till it purifies this community. And until that is done, until Christ Jesus says, okay, you come up to heaven, we keep purifying. Are you listening? We keep preaching. We get salted. God says, I want you to go out to Belmont and Clark. But nobody else goes there, God. Yeah, but but I'm sending you. You go out there. You salt it up. And some of y'all didn't come out there one time this year. And you're wondering why you're not seeing souls saved. It's because you're not salty. God is just saying with your evangelism, I'm not even using you. Because you're not ready to be used. Because you've got to get out. You've got to get out and step out and let me use you. Now you have a chance in April to come on with the Adopt-A-Block. And starting next week, we're meeting at 12 p.m. You have a chance to say, God, I want to be salty. Put me on the streets. Put me somewhere I can make a difference. Can you say amen? Open your Bibles with me, please. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Nancy, would you fill up my water for me, please? 2 Corinthians 2.14. We're going to go through each one of those things today. Flavor. Preserve. Purify. We said that we're the Goya of God. We are the spice. In New Orleans, we eat Tony's. It's Cajun. I love it. i got to have it on everything. And what God is saying is that you and I should be a spice of wonderful flavor to Him. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of Of the knowledge of Him. Somebody say, we're the fragrance of Him. You see, when my mom starts cooking and she starts putting all those herbs and spices and all those Italian things in the home, and we make our own sausage and we make our own bread, homemade, and all these things, see, the house gets filled with that aroma. And the Bible is teaching us that when we're with Christ, we become that aroma. That's the same thing that Jesus was talking about. He was saying, you are the salt... And you flavor the earth. He says, but if you lose your saltiness, you're good for nothing. You see, the moment 
we do not allow God to use us. He just throws us out. And I hate to tell it to you like that, but that's how he said it. If you think you are just going to be a cute little spice on God's spice rack, oh, that, that's my son, that's my daughter. They don't do nothing for me, but they're really awesome. Oh, they're really cute. They believe in me like he needs our affirmation. Do you believe in me? Good. Oh, I believe in myself. Thank you. I needed that. You think we're just going to be some little beautiful spice? No, no, no. God wants that spice to be put in his hand and then be doused on the things of this world. And he says, now when you get in there and you live like a Christian, you have good deeds. Now you begin to smell good to me. Now you begin to give me an aroma and you remind me of him. Look at verse 15. For we are to God. Somebody say, I am to God. The aroma of Christ. See, when the Father sees our life and He sees Jesus sprinkling us in evangelism, sprinkling us in worship, sprinkling us in service in this church, the Father says, Jesus, what you cooking over there? That smells like you. That smells good. And Jesus says, oh, that's just it. She's leading up a fellowship night on Tuesdays. He's preaching my name in His house. Oh, Father said, oh, I thought you were cooking something good over there. I thought that that was my boy Ish. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's real spicy. I like Ish. I like how his life reflects you and me down there on earth. But then the Bible says to the others, to one we are being saved and to those who are perishing, to the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And the Bible begins to say that that's why people begin to hate Christians. Because as they begin to smell that aroma, that if they're not saved, that that aroma actually becomes a stench to them. That when you start living holy and you start smelling like Jesus, some people are going to say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you act like us? Why don't you talk like us? You bother me. You remind me of the things I have to change. And the Bible says it becomes a smell of death to them. That's why for some of you, you know, when we did this time of worship, you were as lost as possible. It was boring. It was death to you because we were smelling up this place with Jesus. You see, but what you like is the, is the smell of the flesh. You, you like the smell of lust and anger and, and bitterness and gossip. You like that smell. Some of you don't even know you like depression, but you smell it all the time because you just like being around how much, how much you hate yourself. And then other people, you just get around your, your own pride. And that's what you like to smell. And when you start smelling Christ up in the church, you get bored and you want to go to sleep. You know why? Because it's reminding you of what you're not and that you're dead on the inside and Christ wants you to get alive. That's the only way, my friend. You've got to start smelling this going, hold on, hold on. There must be something in this. I've got to get changed. Somebody say, we're the smell of Christ. Amen. Turn with me to 1 John 4, 16. So happy you're here today because we don't want nobody stinking out there. Amen. We don't want no stinking attitude, stinking thinking. We want Jesus Christ to come in your life, transform you, and your good deeds to this world become a fragrance to God. So that makes me just want to stop right now and worship again. That makes me just want to stop right now and say, Jesus, how do I smell today? Why don't you just do that? Just stop right now, close your eyes and ask Jesus, how do I smell to you today? How do I smell to you today, Father? How do, how do I smell to you? How do you see me right now? Am I that aroma of Christ? 
Do I smell good in my home when no one else is around? Does my relationship with my wife and my kids, does that smell like Jesus? Father, do I remind you of Jesus? Oh, God, show us what we smell like to you. Oh, God, show us what we smell like. God, you said we have the honor of being your salt. And that means we get to flavor this world. Oh, Lord, what, what aroma are we today? Oh, Jesus, God, I'm looking for a church today, oh, God, that smells like you, Jesus. God, I know that's why when I came to this city, I didn't get along with everybody. Because I I just saw them as just being thrown out salt. But Lord, you're beginning to stir up some people in this church. And I feel like I'm around some real brothers and sisters, some disciples. And Lord, I pray that we don't give up. I pray that we keep going. And I pray, God, that aroma becomes so thick in this city that backsliders got to come back. Because they're going to remember that smell. I pray that they come back. All of our friends and family that came to visit with us, and they knew this was real, but they're trying to ignore it now. God, I pray that you put that aroma on us so strong that they got to come and, oh, man, you smell good. i got to get back with God. Jesus. And, Lord, I pray, Father, for those that never, never knew what it was like to get high on you, to get right with you and get on fire and just start smelling good. God, I pray today they get it. Oh, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Turn with me to 1 John 4. I get excited thinking about that. 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. Now listen to this last phrase right here. Because in this world, we are like who? We are like Him. We're like Jesus. The Bible says God is love. That's why our vision is loving God and loving people. He says that's what he is. Now, in this way, love is made complete. So how do I complete God's love? How do you and I complete it? When we made him on the day of judgment, we live like him. Here's the first lesson in being salt. Salt flavors this world. Salt lives like Jesus. And this salt of Christianity becomes the aroma of Christ. Do you want to be God's salt today? Amen. Do you want God to use you, to sprinkle you over this city, and to begin to start cooking something good in your life so that you smell good to the people around you? Is that If that's you, can you say amen? Amen. I want you to look at the next one. Preserve. Everybody say preserve. You look at the Old Testament. You look at Abram. Becomes Abraham. And we talked about that story. Abraham is visited by Jesus and three other angels. God tells Abraham he's going to bless him with a promised son called Isaac. They're in their 90s, or or rather, excuse me, in their 70s. I'm right, 90s. And God says, next year now you're going to have a child. And Sarah laughs and she says, I'm not going to have a child. And then then, then they talk and Abraham believes and they go on. And then this one thing happens. The father says, or Jesus says, I'm going to talk to my man Abraham, and I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because shouldn't I let him know what I'm going to do? And in Genesis 18, Abraham gets broken. 
His heart gets broken for Sodom and Gomorrah. Were they homosexuals? Yes. Were they rapists? Yes. Were they doing despicable things? Yes. But he wept over that city and he began to get broken for Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew that his, his nephew Lot was down there as well and he knew that there were some good people there and he said to God, he said to Jesus, do not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Would you spare that city for 50 people? He begins to preserve that city. That city probably had well over a 100,000 people. One man's prayer, one man's prayer begins to preserve an entire city. Because he was broken over what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. His prayers began to preserve that city. And he said, God, would you do it for 50? Jesus said, yes, 40, 30. And he brings it all the way down to 10. God, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah for 10 people? 10 righteous people. Ten, if, he said, God, if there's 10 people living for you, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And the father said, yes, I will spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 10 people out of 100,000 living for me. When Jesus went down there, there was only one man living for God. He destroyed the entire city with hell, fire, fire and brimstone, came down, killed 100,000 people. They went to the excavation site, and they have found ash of where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. We know that God destroyed that place with fire from heaven. Are you all listening? But Abraham preserved that city for ten people. When was the last time you got so broken over your family, you got so broken over this community, and you said, God, spare my family. And God said to you, I'll give them one more chance. I'll send them one more preacher. I'll give them one more opportunity to join you at church. When was the last time you prayed for somebody and your prayers preserved their life and gave them one more chance to get closer to God? You see, that's what salt does. Salt begins to preserve like it does in those canned goods. Normally, corn couldn't last very long. But when it's in that can with salt, it can last weeks and months and years. Why? Because that salt is preserving it. You know why some people today are still alive? It's because they have praying people that are interceding for them. Do you want to know why I didn't die twice when I had a gun pulled on me and I overdosed? It's because my mother was saying, Jesus, preserve him. One more day. Give him one more chance. One more opportunity. I'm here today because somebody prayed for me. When was the last time you prayed for somebody and God preserved them? You see, that's the job of salt. It's the job of preserving. He says, if you don't want to do that, I throw you out. He'll throw out your prayers. Oh, oh yeah, you can have good things happen to you, sure. You can get a job, you can get a raise. But all this communication between you and God is worthless to Him. You, you don't pray for souls. You don't pray for lost people to get saved. Those prayers do not come from you. He says, you're not salty, I throw you out. I trample on those prayers. Oh, yeah. People tell me all the time, oh, oh yeah, you know, I'm drinking, smoking, but I still pray. Your prayers mean nothing. He says, you lost your saltiness. Just, just trample on that. You say, God tramples on our prayers? Absolutely. He says, you mean nothing. 
Jesus says if salt loses its saltiness, you throw it out. Next time you want to ask God to respond to your prayers, but you don't want to be salty, go do me a favor. Go to the side of the road. Take some of that salt on the side of the road and put it on your hamburger. Put it on your food and eat that disgusting thing because that's what it is in the eyes of God. That's what your prayer is in the eyes of God when you don't want to live like the way He called you to live. That's the salt that you are, the kind that gets trampled on. Hello? That's what it's like. Next time you say, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live however I want. I'm not gonna be holy. I'm not gonna keep His commands. And you know what? I'm just gonna keep praying and ask that He bless my family. You just need to take that salt and just nibble on it and get a reminder. Well, that's what I am to God. Tasteless salt that people trample on. But when we get in on his agenda and we start doing what he said, and as the Bible says, we start letting these good deeds right here. He says the salt of the earth, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Goes down to the light. He says right here, it gives light in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men. They may see your good deeds. We get on the good deeds of Jesus Christ. We become that aroma and we begin to preserve the world. I want you to turn with our next scripture. First Timothy chapter two. God is going to speak to us today. I believe he already is. Can you say amen? God doesn't want us the same. God doesn't want us. Just pretend it's okay. It's not okay. If you're not living for God or if you're not a Christian that's being used of God, it's not okay. Ish and I were talking the other day, and, and, and we were talking about the church and what we want to do. And I love the way Ish, you put it. He said, we are going to be an apostolic church. We are, and that doesn't mean we're, not going to, we're going to tell the women they can't cut their hair and women have to wear dresses. No, no, we're not into that. But we're going to be an apostolic church in the sense that we're going to do what those first disciples did. And what those first disciples did is they went out and preserved the earth. Because of those first disciples, nations were saved. Thousands of people came to Christ. God spared many people of the Roman Empire. He ended up bringing the empire down nonetheless because of their debauchery. And here's another little side note for you. Every major world empire that has turned from God has gone down. The Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Mesopotamian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the European Empire, and America will be no different. And the only reason why you and I are here still today is because America has good believing Christians praying for this nation. Are you all listening? You all might have to read Revelations to get that later, but that's the truth. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I urge then, first of all, that request. See, he said, first of all. So the first thing that we should be praying for is not our job. The first thing we should be praying for is not that we get a raise. The first thing we should be praying for is not our family. He said, I urge then, first of all, that request prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. You see, we're supposed to pray for our president. We're supposed to pray for our governors. We're supposed to pray for our mayors. We're supposed to pray that God changes them and preserves this nation. 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. When was the last time you as a Christian, first of all, prayed for this nation? When was the last time your first prayer was, God, spare this nation, preserve this nation for righteous people, and give us a holy government, give us holy leaders, and bring revival to this nation? When was the last time, first of all, that was your prayer? That's what I'm talking about. That is a salty believer right there. That is a church that's on fire for God. When they say, first of all, when I pray, I pray for this nation. I pray for others to be saved so that they may come to a knowledge of the truth. You come here at 915. First of all, in our church, we are praying for this nation. First of all, we are praying that people come to know Christ. You come to our youth service before service. First of all, we pray for the lost teenagers to get saved, for the schools to get saved, for this nation to turn back to God. That always needs to be our first prayer to God. God save this nation. First of all, will it make a difference? It's making a difference right now in your life and in many others. And there's so many more that need to come with us. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 11.10. We get into the last one now. We talked about that the Bible says salt flavors. And we're here to flavor the earth with our good works. The second thing that we're here to do is that we are here to preserve. And the last thing we're going to get to in just a moment is purify. But here's, here's preserve. Turn to Proverbs 11. If you're there, can you say I'm there? I'm going to hold up for you. But I, I got to get you to see this. I don't even think some of you have ever read this. How God looks at your life. In regards to the difference you and I can make. Andrew, one prayer from Abraham spared Sodom and Gomorrah for ten people. How much more so your prayer, my prayer, Legia's prayer, David's prayer, we can make a difference. Proverbs 11.10 says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. How do politicians give their agendas? Through their mouth. If it's not the right agenda, it destroys a nation. How does a general give his orders? Through his mouth. It will destroy a nation if it's not good. The Bible says if the blessing comes from the upright, if good men in politics begin to tell God's people what to do, and if good pastors begin to preach the word, and if good fathers begin to teach their family, and if good businessmen apply the principles of wisdom, the Bible says the city is exalted. It is lifted up. God will bless that city. But the Bible says, by the mouth of the wicked, when our teenagers put on rap and all of this heavy metal and they begin to curse their life in this city, the Bible says it destroys it. And when you go to your job and you begin to curse or or you begin to backbite and gossip, you're destroying your company. And when our politicians begin to lie and talk out of two sides of their mouth, they begin to destroy this nation. 
And when the homosexual agenda begins to teach our children that it's normal to have gay relationships, it destroys our nation. Whose side of the war are you on? What's coming out of your mouth? Are you praying for preservation? And are you talking the words of blessing? Because that determines if your salt is salty or not. Otherwise, what you're saying to God is worthless. All those politicians' words are worthless. He tramples on that. Those words mean nothing to Him. All those empty promises, all those ideas that they have, they're worthless to Him. All the things your company wants to do, all the things of this world, the Bible says all of that is nothing to Him. He tramples on it. Read the book of Revelations, Armageddon. Bible says he destroys the earth. The only thing that remains are the godly. That is it. The ungodly will perish. This world will perish. The only ones that make it are the godly. Use your mouth to preserve this city in prayer. Preserve your family with preaching the words of life and blessing to them. You know why we lay hands on people? Is because the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they would have their sons come to them either once a day or once a week, they would have a certain time. And they would put their hand on their son's head and on their daughter's, and they would pronounce blessings on them. They would say, you will grow up and be strong. You will serve God all the days of your life. Your womb will be blessed. If it was a woman, if it was a man, you will be a hardworking man and and prosper in all that you do. And they would say that to their kids over and over and over again. They would pronounce blessing. We need to look to this city and say, you will get saved. You will not continue in crime. Homosexuality will not take you over. Our schools will be saved. This city will come back to God. I ain't even done yet. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. And churches will get on fire. And people in their homes will open up and have Bible studies. And the homeless will be taken care of because Jesus is coming to town. Woo! He said, we can bless this city. We can stretch out our hand and pray over this city. And God hears those prayers. Those other prayers are getting trampled on. You say, well, when do I pray for my family? The Bible says after you pray for his things. Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things are added unto you. Bible says, Our Father, which this is how you pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That comes first. Then give us our daily bread. It comes after that. Are you all listening? Let's turn to Second Timothy in our last part today. Purify. Thank you for bearing with me. I just feel God in this place. I feel that it's a new thing that God's teaching us today. and We just need to go to another level. It's not like the other level is bad. It's just bad if we stay there. we got to move on. Amen? It's not like your child's pampers are bad, but if they're still wearing pampers when they're eight years old, that gets bad. Amen? Hello? It ain't wrong to be wearing pampers when you're one and two and, and so on, but when you're eight, nine, and ten still wearing pampers, it ain't right. And this church got to go to another level. Somebody say another level. See, we got to be as salt. And the Bible says salt purifies. Second Timothy 4. You know, if we had an open cut and a wound, you put that salt right on there, it begins to eat that bacteria. Second Timothy, Paul's speaking to this young man. He says, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
This is for everybody. If today you want God to use you as that salt to purify, the only thing that will work is God's Word. That's it. This is not Joe's autobiography. This is not what I think are the steps of success in a good life. I am preaching to you God's Word. That is what you and I preach when we walk out of here. We say to the communities that we're in, this is what God corrects. This is what He rebukes. This is what He encourages. Do it. We'll be patient with you. No one's perfect, but we're pursuing perfection. We'll be patient with you. We'll be careful to instruct you. If you get stuck along the way, hey, this is how you keep going. Don't give up. That's why we believe in discipleship. You should always be around somebody who does it longer than you, who's known more than you. That way when you get stuck, they can give you instruction. The Bible says when we do that, we are purifying this world. Think of all the misinformation that's in this world today that is polluting this world, that is like that open sore, and instead of it getting better, it's festering disease, and it's becoming infectious right now. You can see it in our school system. They're teaching lies. They're not giving the Word of God. They're teaching children they came from monkey and apes, and that is why they'll go out and kill each other without any remorse. That's why that young man in Oklahoma went and shot people in the malls because he had no respect for his life or for others. You see, if your words are not coming from God, they're not purifying, they're polluting. That's why today you have young children getting sex changes because you have doctors telling them, oh, you were actually born as a, as a woman, but you just have a man's body. And that just throws me off. If you were supposed to be a man, why aren't you a man then? If you have to make yourself, uh, if you're supposed to be a woman, why aren't you a woman? If you have to make yourself a woman, why don't you just make yourself a man? Do you ever think about that? Why don't you just make yourself a man? Then why are you trying to go through all this work and make yourself a woman? If you're going to take all these hormones and pills, just make yourself a man then. See, the world corrupts. Bill Gates, Donald Trump, the wealth of this world, Oprah Winfrey, the richest celebrity, Forbes uh, Money Magazine just came out, the richest people in the world. And, and, And you see, you look at their lives, they're all telling you a message. You see, they're encouraging you to live the way you want. Here's their message to you if it feels good. And if it doesn't hurt anybody, do it. Oprah feels good living in a relationship with a man she's not married to. It doesn't hurt anybody, so it's okay. She has a stripper on there. She likes to strip. She doesn't hurt anybody. It feels good. It's okay. You see, that's the message of Bill Gates, Donald Trump. If it feels good, you want to get divorced, remarry, and it doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. If you want to spend your money and waste it on lavish things and don't help the poor, if it feels good, doesn't hurt anybody, do it. That's the message of this world, and that message is polluting the world, and it's causing the hurts and pains of people's hearts to fester. That's why you have our young people today looking at American Idol because they want an idol in their lives rather than Jesus Christ because parents are not teaching them that God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and they ought not have an idol. They ought to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that will be the most life-changing thing. Hallelujah. I want you to look at this last scripture. Would you stand up with me, please? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. It says to purify the world of all its sin and evil by walking worthy of your calling. Second Thessalonians. Look at how it talks about being pure. It says, with this in mind, 
we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you can get all of those words. There's so much stuff going on, but I'll just give you the first sentence. It says it all right there. We pray for you that God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and act prompted by your faith. My prayer for you is that you walk worthy of what God called you to be. My prayer for Metro Praise is that we be who God called us to be. My prayer for your family is that your family is the family that God called it to be. My prayer for our young people and our students, that they would be the young people that God called them to be. And that they walk worthy of that. And then, by God's power, He begins to do things in their, in their life. That you begin to come to this church and you testify. And you say, oh, God has used me to do that. Oh, yeah, God used me to get right with my family. Now our kids come to church. Everybody in my house serves the Lord. Oh, yeah, God gave me the power to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit cussing, quit, you know, fighting. God gave me the power. God gave me the power to start giving my tithes and offerings so that I could be a blessing to the church. God gave me the power that I could come out on Saturdays and begin to preach. You see, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear the testimonies of people who are purifying this world, walking worthy of their calling. And God is giving them the power and He's blessing the acts prompted by their faith. You see, they just can't sit on the pew. They have to get up and do something. And when they begin to do something, God blesses them. That's what you and I need to do. If we today want to be on God's side, he said, be the salt of the earth. Today, be the salt. Be the flavor of God to this bland, dry world. Today, be what preserves this city and this nation. And purify the lives of people around you by preaching to them. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for everybody here today. We thank you that because of the cross, you make this possible. None of us were good enough to be the salt. We've already failed you many times over. Oh, but Jesus, you give us second and third and fourth chances and hundredth chances. You're so good at forgiving us. And so today, Lord, we thank you that you looked at the disciples and called them the salt of the earth because we got disciples in here, and I know you're saying the same thing. Oh, Lord, but now you're asking us to do something. You're not asking us just to go along for the ride. You don't want us to become bland and worthless. God, you said our life has a purpose. And that purpose is to be your salt. Now, God, I pray today that I will do that. And that, Lord, if I should stumble and fall, God, you will pick me back up. I pray for others in this room, God, that they will do that. And Lord, if they get weary or tired and they want to give up, God, they'll ask you for strength. But God, I pray what doesn't happen is that, God, they just do their own thing and they get thrown out. God, I don't want to be thrown out. 
I don't want to be trampled on. Jesus, when you hear me praying, I don't want you to say, oh, what's that guy talking about? I don't even hear what he's saying. It's just all me, 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 me. God, I I want you to hear my prayers and say, oh, that smells so good. Oh, that smells so good. He's praying for his neighbors up above him, Shambay and Sojourner and Jessica. Oh, he's, he's praying for them. Oh, oh, Father, bless them. Jesus, bless them. Joe's praying for somebody. Ish is praying for somebody. Oh, God, you said if we do those things, you'll take care of the rest. I'm going to ask you right now before we go on with the rest of our service that whatever this part of the message has spoke to you, that right where you're at, you'll apply it to your life. And that Jesus will be in this place today. And that you and I will become salty for God. I really feel that it's time that we just get into a new level in this church, and that that is just being God's salt. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray you apply this message to everyone here. Whatever spoke to your heart, let it apply right now.